Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, welcome everybody. Soccer in the city. Got another episode here. I'm Glenn Crooks. Uh, I guess subbing as the guy who does the intro for Tom Kolker, who is away this week. Uh, he is celebrating uh, his parents' wedding anniversary, which is very nice of Tom, family man. And uh, so we forgave him. And uh, we do have a uh, a uh, a substitute who will be with us for part of the show and a special guest. He was already uh, going to join us, but now we'll just have him filling in uh, for Tom. And some of the things we're going to talk about with him specifically, the supporter shield, the off again, on again. Uh, did uh, Brad Sims give up some stadium news in his interview with the Yes Network? And uh, what the supporters uh, of uh, New York City FC, what kinds of things have they been up to? How are they keeping engaged? And uh, and then we'll get back to the the game that was previously played, uh, the Toronto game coming up, the Hudson River Derby. We got a whole mess of stuff. Uh, Roberto Abramowitz is here. John Rojas is here. And the president of the third rail, Andy Drellick. Andy, welcome. Hey. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going all right. And I have the first question. Is Andy Tom or Gam player today? Yeah, you're not even saying designated player. You're already just lowering the bar to Gam and Tam. Well, I just assuming that, that Tom is a designated player. <laughs> uh, is that it? We could only afford one. It's uh, a very brief transfer. I don't know how this works. It is within the transfer period, though. So, uh, what is that? The end of the week, Roberto? The, the transfer window Thursday, closed. The 29th. Thursday night. Thursday night. Yep. Okay. So uh, we just beat. Yeah, the yeah, by the way, Glenn, we're we're looking. We're shopping you. I just didn't know. I didn't <laughs> know if you realize this, but we we are shopping you as the English booth has three voices. That's fine. 20 million euros is the uh, minimum <laughs> minimum transfer fee. Andy, t tell us just tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, what you, you obviously uh, have more in your life than president of the supporters club. But and then let's uh, we'll get into the uh, maybe the inner workings a little bit. But uh, who are you? Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for asking, Glenn. So, um, I, you know, I, 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 it gets it gets kind of lost in all of this because I think we spend so much time doing soccer stuff, doing third rail stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like outside of that, uh, I'm, I'm, I live in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn with my fiance. Um, we, 
you know, our lives are impacted by COVID like everyone else's. Uh, we're getting married in a year from now. We got that pushed a little bit. Um, I work in customer insights and experience at, um, at a bank here in, here in the city. Um, I, in the past, I worked in management consulting. I've worked in a lot of like customer insights and marketing strategy type work in the past. Um, but that's that's what I do on day job, and then at night on weekends, it's it's you know I'm on calls, I'm doing third rail stuff, um, you know, just trying to organize people and get people excited for this team. All right, so your professional career kind of uh, you know help helps provide you know some of your uh, strength in uh, solving conflicts and uh, you know things like that too, right? Uh, I, ideally, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked I worked as a management consultant for about five years, and that's like every. You have a new project every three months or so. You're you're like you work four days a week anywhere in the country, LA, San Francisco, I was in North Carolina, um, and you're constantly meeting new people. You constantly need to like explain what it is you're doing and, and build consensus. Um, and that's 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 actually a, it's a lot of the stuff I do I do in the third rail. I work with there's a lot of people involved. There are, you know, a lot of great people, and it's just kind of making sure that we're all kind of rowing the same way, I guess. Before these guys jump in uh, and before we get to the supporter shield and stadium and the other uh, hot topics, uh, I, I've been curious as to what the, what the supporters are, are up to, you know, with COVID uh, inability to go to the stadium. Uh, so how are you engaging with the team and the, the community? What, what, what are some of the things you're doing? Yeah, no, it, it's, um, you know, 2020 is is a really strange year. Um, and like so much that the third rail is based around is like, is organizing people, uh, you know, just like interacting with people physically and meeting people and, and having discussions. And so like, without that this year, it, it really feels like a big hole is missing in all of this. Like, I think, you know, we all kind of talk and I've seen some people we, we've done, we've done, you know, I've met some people outside um, and, you know, it's just, this year is just not the same, you know, it's not the same having a zoom watch party. It's not the same watching the team uh, play in empty stadiums. So, you know, we've had to do our best. Um, we, we've tried to do, we've tried to kind of be creative about what can you do when, when so much of your organization is based on like meeting up and having watch parties and hanging out in the supporter section you know, so we've done some things like we've done some charity drives um, and we raised a couple thousand dollars from members for in your common pantry um, earlier in the spring. Um, we've tried to connect people through um, virtual like e-game, e-gaming tournaments. Um, we have tried to do some other things like we, we put together a video last month forever just to kind of like tell them what we wish them the best. We hope to see them soon. Um, we did something else that that it's, it's actually still a surprise, but we we we, we painted something um, that I think eventually will will kind of go up in, in for the players and, and be a bit more personal. Um, I'm trying to get more details on on when that's going to be unveiled, um, but but you know we we just we kind of have this like aching in us, like just we want the players to know that we're still here, we still care about this team. Uh, we're just you know in our apartments and homes, uh, rooting for them from afar. Yeah. Let me ask you like a series of questions in one shot. Okay. Just a little, just to get a little bit of the, of the basics. And thank you so much for coming on. So you guys started in 215, right? 2015, or maybe even before that, how many members did you have then? And how many members do you have now? Yeah. The last, 
three, four years, we've had about, we've had between uh, like 950 and 1100 members. We've, we've been in this like consistent band. Um, this year, we're lower than that. We're at 860. Um, and it's, and, and luckily for us, um, we get the majority of our members in like, we do annual memberships and we get them in January, February, uh, you know, a little bit in March. So we were lucky that we still were able to get, you know, have that big base of support and, and bring in those members, um, you know, it, it, but, but once, you know, March 13th hit, it was just kind of like a dead stop. Um, and, you know, so we're, we're, we're looking to re, you know, we, we want to get back up to around that thousand, 1100, you know, even expand from there. Um, but you know, it's hard time for everyone. So outside of COVID, why has it been so difficult to expand? I mean, now this is a, a city of over 8 million, a metro, a metro area of over 16 million. Why has it been so difficult to, to grow that from 800 to 1100 to 15 to 2000, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And I think that's like a core question, something that I, I think we could all probably focus a bit more on as, as like our board and our volunteers. I think just overall, like something that I try to stress um, with everyone that I talk to about the third rail is that um, we're all volunteers. And, you know, the, the amount of work that comes with this, that, that falls on right now, we have set myself plus six other board of directors. We have a couple of different committees with volunteers, um, but just the amount of work and just coordination that comes with that. Sometimes it's like, you know, even for myself as president, I feel like I'm, you know, back, you know, like mopping the floors and, you know, painting the walls, like, you know, just doing the, like taking out the trash. Like it, it, there's a lot of things that need to happen on a like sometimes on a daily or weekly basis that, that end up taking a lot of time. Um, I'd love to be able to think more. So, but, but some actual answers to, to this question, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's hard to get it. it so I, I, I describe my role as a volunteer, but, you know, you also have people in their free time and, and, and you know, for, for them to commit their free time uh, or, or to just pay a $30 membership, like, you know, you need to be consistently providing some sort of valuable experience, like value as a member. We find that we have like of that 1000 people, we'll probably have about 200 people that are pretty hardcore that, you know, we're seeing on bus trips that are, are coming out to our watch parties. Uh, but then from there, there's kind of like a longer tail of people that, that we, we want to get more and more involved and to be doing more stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think for all of it, it's just, we're, we're still kind of figuring out how to, how to expand. I, I would say though, um, just, in, I, I know that, you know, for context, you, you know, you, you talked about how we're in New York city and there's, you know, 16 million, 8 million people, whatever. Um, we are one of the largest supporters groups in the country. Um, there's, there's probably about a handful that are, that are a little bit bigger than us, places like Portland, places like, um, Kansas city. Um, I, I know there's some, the, the LA umbrella group is much bigger. Um, but you know, we, 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 we punch up, you know, we, we, we're, we're a pretty large group. Um, and it's just like, just the, the administrative stuff to, to just keep a thousand people together. Um, it, it takes up a lot of my time and I, I, I would want us to be a bigger group. I'll, I'll say that. Would you 
have you approached New York City FC as far as helping growing your membership, or is that something that you don't want to do because you want to still keep some sort of a of a distance? Or as a team, come to you and say, "Hey, what can we do to help you grow?" Because obviously, it behooves the team to make you guys not you know tenfold, twentyfold of what you are. I mean, it would be fantastic to have an entire stadium of people you know standing and cheering the way you guys do throughout ninety minutes and more. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Um, we have regular conversations with the team, um, and, and I'll say this: like, so we 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 definitely maintain our independence, and you know, the, our decision making, and you know, how we organize ourselves, and things we do, we try to be strictly independent on that. But we do also work with the team a lot. Um, we we have regular conversations. I would say, uh, actually, in the last year, the team is actually um, really kind of. It, there's been new newer people have joined in these kind of like C-level roles of the company. And I think over the last year and a half, we've just seen an incredible amount of engagement. Like I, um, like on a monthly basis, I will, you know, be texting or having calls with probably five or six people that work in the front office. And, and I think we're seeing that from, we're seeing that from people that we've been talking with for years, um, like on the game day operation side to having more conversations with marketing, having more conversations with communications, having conversations with Brad Sims himself. Um, the team is definitely supportive of what we do. I think that, um, you know, they, it's, there's, there's a lot of things that we could, we do together. They try to include us in events. Um, like we were just a part of last, a couple of weeks ago, there was the, um, the online charity, uh, charity gala for city in the community. Uh, we had a bunch of members there and, and actually our members were, were responsible for, a. um, Someone just gave me the number, I think for $12,000 worth of the donations that night, which is, which is incredible. But, um, you know, the, the team is supportive of what we do. Um, we're obviously supportive of, of the team. And, you know, if it, to a certain extent, uh, some of the activities and events that, that they hold as well. Okay. So, so, so let me ask you, where do I direct this pet peeve of mine? Which one? Okay. Uh, okay. So let, I, I need to know where I can direct this to. So uh, when stand, where fans were allowed in the stadium, you know, before this season, yeah. uh, I would always have this complaint on the radio about the fact that the third rail would not be, or not only the third rail, but the entire supporter section was not in place by the time kickoff was. And so the people would be drifting in and it would be like 10 minutes into the game before everybody was there. Why is that? Why isn't everybody like yeah. there 20 minutes before the game just as, that would seem to be the typical uh, supporter uh, culture. Yeah, I, I, I think I think a lot of like the hardcore people are there, um, are there 15 minutes before the game. Uh, I think the rest are probably just trickling in from the bar. To be completely honest, uh, I don't know if you've seen that security line outside of Gate Eight with like 10 minutes to go before kickoff, but it is it, it's the longest it is all day. Um, as people are stumbling out of the bar, but uh, no, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I think I, I think we could probably. I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to put it on Yankee Stadium's $15 beers as as people <laughs> uh, far from it. But no, I think we could do a little better than that. I think I think we could be having like I think it would be cool if we did like warm up sessions and and you know we're we're chanting even before the stuff and getting ready to go. I think that would be cool. Is it sort of like herding cats, that sort of thing? You know, I. I, I yeah, I don't. I'm not even trying to hurt people out of the bar. I'm telling them I'm leaving and then I'm going. And <laughs> John, go ahead. All right. So, hey, John. 
Hey, John, let's just reset it. Let everybody yeah. know if anybody's just joined it. Andy Drellick, uh, the president of Third Rail, the uh, the first recognized supporters group for New York City FC. And uh, great. It, it's great to have you, Andy. Uh, go ahead, John. Yeah, I just want to go back a little bit on the basics. And is how many, I mean, is is the Third Rail only one group? Is uh, some groups under the umbrella of the Third Rail? How many are they, if that's the case? Yeah, we, we have, um, so we're, we're one organization, uh, but we also have local chapters. And, and that's something that, that was started a couple, uh, I think in late 2015, um, but has, has really expanded. So we, what a chapter is, is it, it's a group of um, people that, you know, live um, in, you know, a, a localized area, kind of either outside of the city or like, you know, a part of the city. They get together. Um, mostly for, you know, they get together for rents, they get together for watch parties, uh, for it's a, lo a lot of people that it, where it's difficult for them to get to Midtown Manhattan, like a central location where we usually have our watch parties. Uh, but we, we have some really active um, and involved chapters. We have a chapter in New Jersey, uh, Third Rail, New Jersey. We have, we have Third Rail Bronx uh, is one of our newer chapters that just has a lot of energy and is, is doing a ton of stuff. We have Third Rail Connecticut, the Nutmeggers, uh, we have Third Rail Westchester, um, and uh, Third Rail Espanol. Uh, yeah, it's our, our friend runs that handle. Um, but no, I mean, so you know, it's it's groups that that myself and our board work with. Uh, they're they're members. We work with them closely, um, and you know, it's just all about just how to have like a localized experience when you can't all come to games and then when they are, or watch parties, but then at games, like you'll see people kind of, they're hanging out. Like this is where the New Jersey guys hang out. This is the Connecticut guys. Um, it's, it's cool. I mean, we're, it's, it's, it's about that. It's that whole thing that I was kind of mentioning before, just like, you know, we, you need to make a good experience for everyone. You know, what's, right. what's a better experience. Yeah. And then of course, I mean, being part of a, of a fan base is more about giving than, than getting, than receiving, right? It's about the experience that you get. Yeah. But uh, a person that, that is with you guys, that pays for the year, uh, what do they get? What is, what is the, you know, being part of the third rail in Taos? Too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get to, in a normal year, um, well, there, there's a few different benefits. Like first, the thing that we always, that, you know, the, the number one thing you get is um, if you join up, you get a scarf, uh, a third rail scarf. We we do a new one every year. Uh, membership card. If you sign up early, you get a pin. Um, you know, even even that was impacted by COVID because we usually hand them out in person. And so we're still we we probably sent about half of them out in the mail, and we're still trying to get people's addresses and, and send them out. Uh, but that's a big part. That's part of the membership. Um, we have you know we we sell uh, discounted away tickets. Uh, we do discounted buses to games. Um, we have parties and events throughout the year. So, so your, your, your membership is going to support a lot of these activities. Uh, we have exclusive events, like in January, we have the meet Ronnie Dyla event. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits. There's, there's like, <laughs> there's tons of free beer <laughs> involved across these things. Uh, you know, there's, there's Top of the part list. of the community. Yeah. I, but I do also try to stress that, um, you know, we, we, I think we give people a lot. Um, I think, I think we give people back more than $30. Um, you know, as long as you come out to an event or two, I think you're getting your money's worth. But I also try to stress that, that you're supporting an organization. Um, 
just this year, we, you know, we've always operated as a non, a New York state registered nonprofit organization just this year after like a six month process, we, we were, um, uh, accepted, recognized by the IRS as a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, so, you know, just like a foundation, a charity type of group. Uh, we basically, we have a mission statement It's support the team, uh, it's support the community supporters It's support New York city itself. And so I, I do try to stress with people also that we're a nonprofit organization. Um, you know, we, we, we're trying to, we'll try to give you as much as we can. We'll try to make this a dynamic, engaging experience, but you know, you're also supporting our mission statement. And, you know, if that's something important to you, then, you know, definitely join us. Right. Now I have two more. Um, one will be, uh, you guys are doing a lot for the community too. You having events, you having, um, you know, campaigns and all that. Uh, does that focus in the Bronx and around the stadium in that community, uh, or around the city? Uh, as a whole, do you think that uh, maybe if, if, if the bronze is the main focus, do you think that maybe that is helping uh, with this idea of the stadium project and getting the community know that you guys are going to be there, but, you know, for the good of the community and that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, I, I, think, I, I think that makes sense. Um, we do try to focus a lot of our energies in, in the Bronx. Um, we We try to do as much as we try to do a lot with South Bronx United, um, just an incredible organization uh, with youth soccer and education and, and building opportunities for kids, um, low income immigrant immigrant communities and families. Um, we, we do try to focus a lot on the Bronx. You know, if this was a regular year, uh, you would have seen us out like at a park. Uh, you would have seen us like, you know, doing some like of the manual, the volunteer type of community service. Um, but, but we, you know, a lot of focus on the Bronx. We also work with, there's some other really great partner organizations. Like we, we, we work with and try to support city and the community, um, especially, you know, the, their initiative of building pitches. And we did a fundraising drive to light them, uh, to get lights above them. Um, in April, uh, we, 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 uh, we donated to New York Common Pantry and we focused those donations in the Bronx. Um, we've also worked with some great organizations like Street Soccer USA. Uh, which provides um, which which provides soccer leagues coaching career services to people that you know are uh, people that are homeless, people that um, you know recently um, left left you know were recently incarcerated or were recently in halfway homes. We're um, just trying to provide those opportunities for them as well. Um, you know, we're always kind of on the lookout for great nonprofit organizations that are that are impacting the community, but we, we do try to focus in the Bronx. So let me ask you, Andy, this question then. Um, as far as growing uh, your uh, growing the third rail, uh, you have an opportunity here with maybe some people who didn't know if they're interested in doing that. How could they get in touch with you? How can they uh, become part of the third rail if they want to? Because yeah. Glenn is doing Glenn has nothing to do these days. <laughs> no, yeah. I want to know. Hold on. Before you answer that, I want to know where this uh, Jersey affiliate is. What's where, what town are they in? Uh, they meet at a bar in Hoboken. Nice. Um, uh, it's, Good spot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right on the right on the river. Um, it's like the Hoboken Brewery. Um, I've been there a couple of times, but I forgot the name of it. All right. Well, I I I I can find it. I can find okay. it. Okay. Hey, Roberto. Before before uh, he, honestly before uh, Andy answers that, and you know, I think encouraging people and giving them an idea of how they can get involved. Yeah. Uh, John, John mentioned the stadium oh. and uh, Brad Sims just did an interview with the Yes Network. And you mentioned, uh, Andy, that you meet with Brad uh, on occasion. 
And uh, so let's let's play. There's a little clip here I want to play, and then uh, we'll react on the other side of it. I know I feel the fans' pain. I know how badly they want it. I know how badly they want uh, news on the confirmation of it. And I can assure all of our fans that there is no stronger sense of urgency possible than what we have right now to be able to deliver that to our fans. And we have a team that's working on it full-time, 100% of the time, um, and we've made a ton of progress. We really have, and we're very optimistic, as optimistic as we've ever been. Having said that, you know, it's a long process, and for us, you know, arguably the most important part of that process is the community, the community input, working with community leaders, and making sure that this project is something that uh, reflects what they want and what's important for, for their community. We, you know, we feel that this is something, not just the stadium, but the overall project that we're going to be working on is something that's going to be transformational for the South Bronx. And we need to make sure that everyone is aligned with that vision. Um, but we're making progress. We're feeling good about it. And, you know, we've ne never been as optimistic as we are right now. And, and hopefully we'll have some good news to share uh, with our fans as, as, as soon as we can. All right, Andy, I'm going to go to you first on this. So uh, is this breaking news here? Uh, you know, in his uh, comments in responding to the stadium question, he mentions the South Bronx as if that's where it's going to be, which I think we've all kind of assumed in recent months. You know, it seems like the only place they're looking. But uh, wh what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think that mirrors a lot of the things that that he's that Brad and and the front office have said in the past. Um, I think if you go back to the statement they put out in February, the statement Brad personally put out in February, um, I think you know I think anytime you people have asked him or in public, you know it's always been um, about how that this is this is going to be a community driven process that it's a long process. Um, I'm not sure if he's said the South Bronx before. That could be new. No, I, I don't think he has. So I, th I think that's new. But I, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of great reporting on this. Um, you know, I think last month the report in the outfield um, went into deep dive, deep dove into that site. Um, I think also last February there was that report in the Times um, about the same site. You know, it, it just seems like this is the spot um, and it seems like it seems it hopes, uh, you know, hope that that it's it, things are building. Um, I, I've, I've spoken with some people that are I every time I ask them to explain the public approval process and uh, how many different you know people are involved in community boards, I always get confused and I, I never can get it straight. But apparently they are, you know, through some public information reporting, you know, they, they, they're, they're taking steps. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's encouraging. I'm, I'm, it's encouraging to hear him go out onto a broadcast and say that, you know, I think he could have, if things were going sideways, he could have easily just not said anything and, and tried to figure it out from there. But um, it's encouraging to hear. And, and, you know, we all, all of us are just crossing our fingers. Do you anticipate that you'll be included in some of the conversation as far as the blueprint supporters section, things like that. I mean, has, have they said anything to you about that? Because I know they've talked about <clears throat> engaging with the community and getting an idea for and a feel for what they might want, like maybe using the stadium for classroom space and things like that. But how about how about the third rail? 
Yeah, I know. I certainly hope so. Um, you know, we, they're super supportive. Like we have discussions even when they're going to, you know, going to play Red Bull games in Red Bull Arena, like over the last two months and, you know, what we want our supporter section to look like. Um, you know, I've had, I've had conversations, I've had conversations with, um, you know, we, we talk with some of the people on game day operations about TIFO and, and about all the different supporter sections we see across the, uh, across the country. We've been talking about these things for years. So um, I certainly think so. I would certainly hope so. Um, and, you know, we are uh, ready to, to have all those conversations. Uh, I think we, let's, let's move to a couple of the subjects. Cause I know uh, you have to depart soon. The, the supporters shield. Yeah. Uh, we, we discussed that last week at length and, and John Rojas uh, had some information I would have never uh, thought about regarding Orlando city's supporters, but uh, can you give us, uh, I'm assuming that you're, you're part of this, uh, you're involved in this sort of a decision or have a vote or can you, can you walk us through how initially the statement came out, no supporter yeah. shield, uh, unbalanced schedule, blah, blah, blah. And then we, there's a lot of feedback from coaches and players in particular, Vanny at Toronto and Bedoya at Philadelphia. And then uh, there's a change of heart. So you're on. Yeah. Yeah, no, happy, happy to. So it's this is a little bit confusing, um, and I've gotten this question a lot over the last week and a half. Um, but um, so I represent the third rail as a member of the Independent Supporters Council. I represent the third rail. I represent NYCFC supporters at large um, on Independent Supporters Council. The Independent Supporters Council and the Supporter Shield Foundation are are operate separately. Um, we, we meet once a year as, uh, at, there's an ISC convention, um, which I love going to. I've been going to the last five years. We vote on the boards of ISC. We also vote on the boards of the Shield Foundation. But then how those two groups operate, they, they, they you know, we know who these people are. They're coming from the same pool of people. We, we, you know, we largely have discussions and understand that, but the Shield Foundation, they operate separately. Um, and, and I think, you know, on a normal year, the Shield Foundation, they, they're mostly focused on things like logistics, um, you know, how to get the Shield to that potential winner on game day so they can lift it, um, you know, how to navigate that, how to make sure, you know, do maintenance on it, things like that. Um, but this year, they, I think they, they made a decision and um, they, they readily recognized that they the process they went through for that decision was not great. And they made some mistakes on that. So, you know, to be clear, I didn't have any say, it was not a discussion. I did not have any vote. Um, ISC reps did not, have, there was no discussion. There was no vote. It was the shield foundation had made this. Exactly. So who the yeah. shield foundation is, is who is how, how many, who, who is the foundation? Yeah. I, well, it, it's um, there. Uh, you have to go on. The, there's like five or six people that run it. Um, okay. And, they're and they're kind of the console, but they're, not they're, they're not the console. Yeah, there's supporters group leaders from around the country. Um, I know I know most or all of these people, and I and I, I like them, I respect them. Um, but I think you know, you, you can look on the website. They're they're board of yeah. directors. Um, what, and, what did when did you find out of their Did you find out the decision when the release came out, or did you know ahead of time? I knew a little bit beforehand. And they basically told us that the decision had been made and to, and that it was about to go out 
like imminently and it didn't go out at that time and went out later. Um, but, you know, as soon as it, but it, 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 it's, it, it, it just wasn't, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can, I can say that I have always felt strongly that this, there, there are a couple different disagreements I had. One is that I feel that the support shield should be awarded. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure how you guys landed in your debate last week. I don't want to like dredge that all up again, but, but I felt strongly that it should be awarded. Um, you know, I feel like everyone is adapting this year and doing, doing the best they can. Uh, we as supporters should also do the same. There's, I, I didn't see the strong reason to not award it. Um, no fans in the stadium. Fine. I mean, we're all being safe. Um, I, but I disagreed with that. I disagree with the decision-making process. Uh, normally with ISC decisions, we had, they, they communicate very well with us. Um, Bailey Brown from Dallas is the president. She's been the president for the last couple of years. Um, you know, we have group discussions. We had a big discussion about bylaws in January. Um, it, we kind of expected that. So we're all a little bit taken by surprise with this. And then third is I disagree. Even if you, even if there were some, some, some reasons that people want to talk about, like unbalanced schedule, shortened schedule, the timing of this in, in, in mid-October with four games to go, um, you know, I fully, I understand, Greg, I understand Greg Vanny's comments. You know, I, I understand why he's upset or was upset. I, I you know, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm, well, they're not, they're not in first place anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it, but anyway, they, they, I, to the shield foundation's credit, they, they heard this uproar and they heard these issues. Uh, we had multiple calls with ISC reps, uh, they they did a survey they put out to everyone. Um, you know they they fully admitted that they they kind of made they bungled like the decision making process. Um, and I'm I'm glad that they I'm glad that they came to a reversal. I think if I could, if I may, Glenn, I, I just I just want to re you know reset it basically uh, because I said it on the last episode of of the podcast is is the way the decision was made. Um, these kind of decisions are supposed to be talked, discussed, voted, and then if you put out the statement, it's because the decision has been made, and there's no need to backpedal because yeah. you have the support of your people. And this is a this is a thing that is part. I said it last week, and I, I will say it many times as necessary. This is part of the folklore. This is from people to people, from the fans to the fans. It doesn't involve the teams and the players. For them, I mean, you know, having the trophy is just the recognition of their people, but no more than that. I mean, the trophy stays among their people. So I don't mind if they, you know, if the decision was not to award the trophy, but it was among the supporters groups. Proper, proper decision. Exactly. The proper, the proper process. It's okay. It's fine. It's from people to people and it's part of their, their folklore. It's part of the, you know, the way they live. The game here. So, so Vanny was public, but Doy was public. But I, I'm wondering, Andy, the Independent Supporters Council did. Uh, were, were there some uh, emotional uh, emails and text messages flying around uh, when this came out? Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I think that they. Um, I, I think that the Shield Foundation uh, heard the full weight of soccer Twitter. And they heard the full weight of supporters groups. And, um, you know, I, I think they, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, to, 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 to your, to your credit, like, you know, this was a big decision and it, it should have been discussed a bit more. 
they realized that um, I was speaking with one guy, texting with one guy who was on the on the Shield Foundation. He said he didn't sleep last weekend. He said it was the most stressful weekend of his life. That he's, you know, he was just upset and just realized what was, you know, how much of a mess this was. Um, I, but yeah, it, you know, it it got the it got the hearing and the discussion internally that it it should have, um, but it would we just shouldn't have gone through this whole ordeal. Imagine, guys. If, if that guy that, that Andy is referring to didn't sleep during the weekend, imagine the time that the supporter shield, the trophy itself, got lost. <laughs> <laughs> the trophy was stolen. This is the second trophy, by the way. So I, Yeah, I think, I don't know the full story on that, but I think it was like a decade ago or something. Yeah. And San Jose. I, yeah, I've, I've heard that, I've heard it was stolen by San Jose Sports. Until today, that's a story. Nobody knows where the trophy is. Well, like you said last week, John, they bring it to weddings. They bring it to bar mitzvahs. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah. it's yeah. like, hey, Andy, one thing before Roberto goes, uh, it, and John mentioned it last week that the Orlando City supporters are not are not part of the council, or, or there's no supporter shield that could be awarded the club because they're not uh, in the council. Is is that accurate? Um, my understanding, yes. Um, the Orlando City is one of. Um, it's, it's, it's very, there's a, there's only like two or three markets in, in teams in the country that are not rec- represented. And, um, the, I, I, the leaders of ISC have reached out to Orlando supporters multiple times over the years and they've, re- they've declined to join. Um, they don't see the value in it. They don't want to be a part of it. It's too clubby for them. They, you know, they, I, I don't know. Good. But, Good. It's okay. Is the, that's, the that's choice? Yeah, that's true. The choice fine. is part of the folklore. You you want to be in a group or you don't. <laughs> it is fine. That's fine. That's fine. But yeah. you know, they shouldn't ex- they shouldn't expect the shield to be shipped down to them. Correct. Exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. No. No. Why? No. They're not part of it. Exactly. I, I, I get that. There. I I've been to Orlando. I've been to Orlando three times for games. Which How many times most- have you been arrested? Zero, luckily zero um, it's crazy like, down there it's, it's crazy down there but every time i go like i there's usually whenever i travel to a game i know i know the supporters group there and usually we hang out with them and you know it, it's just part of like I, you know i enjoy seeing these people they you know they do the same things that i do um a lot of them are close friends even if i only see them once a year but i not a single person in orlando i don't know I'll tell you something quickly. You know, my, my wife is my wife and my son have gone down to uh, Orlando to uh, to watch matches, and um, they they told me my wife told me says she's never seen behavior that was as bad as the behavior of the fans in in Orlando. She was really taken aback, and she's been to several uh, MLS games uh, all over the country, and she's nothing like that, no, nothing like Orlando. She was really turned off by it. I have much better relationships with Red Bull supporters groups that I have that? I have virtually no relationship with Orlando group um there's a couple there and um I I hear I, I get told by our guys that work on social media that that the Orlando fans always in the run-up of games just say the worst things about the third rail on Twitter um I don't know I don't get it I don't get it I I I don't know Hey, you do have a, you got another Derby coming up. You're going to host this one, but the, the supporters aren't around. But uh, so the relationship with Red Bull supporters, you know, there's 
it's been a couple of things over the years, but is that part of the galvanizing? You had to get together and say, Hey boys, we got to uh, calm down. Yeah. I mean, I listen, I, I don't, I, I don't have really great relationships with every rifle supporter, but I, I, do, <laughs> I do, I do work closely with uh, leaders of their groups of, um, and, and we formed the, our three groups, the third rail with the empire supporters club and the Viking army. We formed the Hudson river derby foundation last year. Um, it's our goal from that to fundraise for a trophy to, to give to the winner of, of the, almost like a mini supporter shield that would go to the winner. Um, Cascadia. Yeah. Like a Cascadia cup. And then, you know, live with the supporters. Uh, COVID really kind of messed up our 2020 plans, but we, we have, I have monthly calls and we, you know, we're still planning. We're still figuring things out. Um, we just, but we just put up a new merchandise store. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that, those cool. kind of traditions are, are important for the so, game. Yeah, so what's, 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 what we we so what's it going to be called? What are you, you going to call it? Is it, is it going to be a cup? Is it what, what cup, we got? I, uh, we are still working on that. Oh, okay. Still working. All right. But it's a river. <laughs> I think all of us, all of us have like one criteria and that's that you would eventually be able to drink beer out of it. So that makes sense. Hey, I've got, I've got an idea. Call it the Hudson River Plate. Huh? Hudson River Plate. Can you, can you drink beer out of a plate? Hello. Yeah, you, well, yeah. You, make it, you make it. You uh, have to concave. lap it up. If you make yeah. it concave, you can. Well, isn't that a bowl? Uh, you're getting gold. Isn't that a bowl? Hey, listen, I'm just trying. It's, it's the Argentinian thing. There's a, large, yeah, a, a lot of Argentinians on this team. So, yeah, there, there, there is that. So, um, Andy, obviously, you're welcome to stay with us to talk actually about the games, the one that uh, just happened and the one that's coming up if you want to. That's up to you. I know you got stuff to do, but you have the invitation to stick around. I mean, it could be worse, mind you. But before, just in case you do have to go, um, I wanted to find out if people who are listening want to uh, join the third rail, uh, how, do, how would they do that? Yeah, um, they could go to our website. Uh, third rail t-h-i-r-d-r-a-i-l dot n-y-c it's third rail dot n-y-c um and you know there's just tons of of information about the organization uh who we are our board the things we do our board of directors um and there's a big button big blue button i think in the top right corner about joining and membership um people can also reach out to me um my, my you know it's i i do people give out their email addresses on podcast? Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, 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 you can. Absolutely. absolutely. Go, Go for, for it. it. Okay, yeah. John is going to spam you, but, you know, just ignore him. It's fine. This is, and this and is, the router the router number for your bank account. If you yeah. <laughs> this is how I get, like, the Orlando emails, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, well, yeah. But uh, people can reach out to me. My email is andy at thirdrail.nyc. Um, it's fine. It's not my personal one, so, you know. But, uh, but no, I mean, like, I'm, you know, I'm happy to talk with anyone that's interested, happy to talk with anyone that, um, or members or, or anyone that wants to get involved in the organization. Um, you know, we, we are in New York City. People have tons of skills and, and experiences that they could bring if they want to help a nonprofit organization. I'm happy to have that conversation. Let me ask you this question before you go, as far as that's concerned. Is your website in Spanish as well? So if like somebody who would be listening to my radio broadcast and I tell them you can go to this website to go, would they be able to find something that they would understand? I don't think so. I'm not sure, but I, I don't I don't think so. Um, it's not it's on a to do list. I think. OK, because there's going to be people who might be interested and might be Spanish only speakers. And then it's like, 
It looks Chinese to me. You're you're right. I mean, we we have a lot of we have a lot of bilingual speakers. We have um, I, I don't know if I don't know if we have any Spanish only speakers, but um, we do have a lot of Spanish speaking members. Right. I, I know because I've met a lot of them and uh, okay, yeah. I've and then also, I mean, there's a Facebook group, so the New York supporters and then there's the other one, the New York supporters group. And a lot of the guys are, are always chatting in there. Yeah. Absolutely. All cool. right. Well, you're welcome to stick around if you'd like. If we're going to talk about the games, if you have to go, then we understand that as well. Yeah, no. I, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Um, it's great talking with you guys. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks. Go NYCFC. All right. Beautiful. Well, good luck with everything, Andy. And uh, and the thing is, is if anything ever comes up and you think we can help you, you know, you make sure that uh, you let us know. Okay. Thanks. No, I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, guys. All right. All right. Thank, you, thank you so much. Okay. So that's Andy Drellick, the president of Third Rail. So that's our first supporter ever, I think, that we've had as a guest on the on the podcast. Why did it take us five years? I don't know. I just, <laughs> I mean, I just seriously, thought of it the other why day. did it? It's, <laughs> it's a really good idea. I don't know why it took us five years. I'm glad we've done this, mind you. Yeah. Uh, and he answered, you know, all, all the questions. And I, I think we pretty much covered just about everything with him. So, uh, but he's welcome to come back anytime. And uh, again, if any of you listening want to uh, join up with the third rails and especially once, you know, games start happening where they allow people back in and uh, you want to be up and down, jumping up and down and singing with, with everybody else and creating TIFOs and doing all the things they do and all the great work that they do as far as helping others, uh, all the volunteer work, then uh, yeah. He gave the information and um, go and join him. Is there when you say thank you, Roberto? What's that? Is there when you say thank you? I always say thank you. Did no, I thank not you. say thank you? Thank you to Glenn who had the idea and contacted oh. Andy and brought him in. I, I don't need. I don't need credit. I just. <laughs> does, I'm just. Does Glenn I, need that that desperately? I mean, seriously, is his ego that shot? Of no, course, we was, thank uh, Glenn. I, I, I refer to that interview as the Roberto pet peeve hour right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, have you not noticed that, by the way, about the supporters wandering in minute 15? I was like, what what the heck? No, I've, I've, no, I've noticed. And you know what really alerted? And uh, I, I just go back to that uh, time I went to Emelec uh, in, uh, in Ecuador. And uh, you know, I never thought of it before. And I, and I remember telling you guys, I was so excited to tell you, they were in the stadium two hours before partying. And yeah. you guys were all like, well, that's what they, that's, 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 that's what common they in South America. And, uh, you but know, and, that, but that's why it's okay too. I mean, here, if the people want to come in five, 10 minutes after the beginning of the game and they're coming, you know, chanting and, and playing, you know, the drums and making a fuss out of their coming in, it's fine too. It's their way of living the experience and it's okay. It's fine. You don't have to reproduce everything from other places used to, you know? And, and, and I bet you that one of the reasons that Orlando supporters doesn't want to be part of this is because they want to, you know, quote unquote, be uh, 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 living the football the way it is, quote unquote. No, there is no way to live this. Every country, you cannot, you know, divide or separate the game from the societies that you're living in. Right. No, I, I don't think anybody's trying to do that either, mind you. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get to some of the uh, 
the action from the other night and what's coming up. Uh, so uh, uh, a nice uh, tidy win over the Montreal Impact with a with a dominant second half, three one. I don't know if the entire second half was dominant. Probably yeah. wasn't. No. So uh, you know, Ronnie Dyla was seemed to be very pleased after the game with the way the team played. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree that the, it was a well played match, but at the same time. Uh, I think there's a couple of things here to discuss. First of all, uh, just uh, not too long before kickoff, uh, the club announced that uh, a first-team player uh, contracted COVID-19. Turns out it was Ismail Tajiri Shradi. He put up a post on his Instagram as well. And so you, I, I, I don't know how you guys felt before the game, but no Castellanos, yellow card suspension. Eber's out for the season. Matriza transferred to Saudi Arabia and scores in his first game. And uh, and now uh, Shradi's out. And... Now you've got Goody coming in. Matarita goes to the forward line, and it was like, oh. And um, I, I think it took them some time to to really adjust to that starting eleven. I, I you know, it, it really didn't go well at first, and but Montreal really didn't have much either. So, but uh, I think, yeah, I think that's why Glenn, uh, you know, taking into consideration all the uh, circumstances, yeah, the scenario, that's why uh, Ronnie Dalla failed. Like it was a really good game for them. Sure. You know? Because I mean, it can go the wrong way at any minute, and yep. uh, and if you see numbers, statistics, and if you see trends during the game. I think that idea of having uh, Goody and uh, behind Matarita, it worked. It really worked. It really worked. Matarita was really comfortable going forward. Tryson stays back most of the time. They switch here and there. But they were really dominant on that on that side of the field. So you know, at some point during the game, I I tweeted in Spanish. Uh, I think it was right after the first game, the first goal. Um, right now, Dyla looks like a genius <laughs> <laughs> because you know that's. I mean, of course, as a coach, you do the things uh, thinking that is going to be on the benefit of the team, but you actually don't know how they ended up being until you play the game. And in the game, now you have to take into consideration the opposition, but the game told Ronnie Dyla that he was right. Well, uh, uh, you know, agreed at the end. I mean, and it wasn't, uh, you know, how many more options did you really have? If you look at the bench, I mean, if you didn't start Goody, you're starting Tony Rocha, uh, who ended up going in up top later on, scoring his first MLS goal. But but, uh, before we get to that, Montreal... See, this is the thing. You talk about a team. So we saw Toronto got smashed by Philadelphia 5-0. That's the next opponent. Montreal loses 3-1. They just kind of wilt in the second half. Montreal and Toronto were permitted to go home for the first time in a long time to Canada uh, by their coaches. And they weren't permitted to – and then they came back and then weren't permitted to train until Thursday of, of that week leading into the match. And it was, a, it was a, you know, and I understood what the coaches were doing, Greg Vanny and Thierry Henry. It's just like you take a guy like Samuel Piet. He just had a baby, you know, and, and so how that impacts him psychologically. So, you know, to me, it was just a it was a wonderful gesture on their part. But I think it did come back to cost them from on the sporting side a bit. Right. You know? uh, but in a way, it's an investment in the future, right? I mean, you, you may sacrifice a game to make the team more galvanized going, going forward. No, I, I favor the decision. I think. It yeah, was, I, uh, yeah. You gotta be uh, among. 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter if 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 it you know comes and hunt you or comes and help you down the road because you galvanize the team. No, it's just a way to to be the Human. kind of organization that you want to be. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you want, right, exactly. But I'm right? saying that result wise, I'm just talking about result wise. No, human wise, obviously, it's a it's an absolute right thing to do because the human side is more important than the result side. And right. you know, we're living through a pandemic, so. But I mean, that that's what I was like at the team. But you're looking at both ends of it and you're saying, yeah, so I'm going to let my players go home and do this because it's the absolute right thing to do. And if it winds up costing me a game, you know, what the hell it cost me a game. At the same time, it's an investment into everybody being happier and playing better. I mean, there's a, there's a give and take on both ends. But for the human side, 100 percent, it's a, the absolute right thing to do. But well, at the end I, of the day, I, if, I you spoke go, Glenn, to a... if you go, sorry, Glenn, but if you go with the results, I mean, it's happening to everybody in this weird, strange year. You know, Colorado had a uh, small <laughs> team training on, on Friday and then play, no, on Saturday and then play on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the I way know, it they, is. That's you know, a, they, you know yeah. they had during the week, they had a video session on the field. So in order mm -hmm. to keep distance between players, the right. players were on the field and the video session was at the screen, on the, screen. On the I, I, know. I heard it's, that. It's, you know, it's, it's part of the things that are happening right now. I mean, you have uh, trips of 16 hours from home to home and a game in the middle. Man. It's insane. I mean, uh, this guy, Burillo, that uh, came in uh, to LASC, he came, he had the quarantine, he didn't train with the team, but he played with the team during the weekend. <laughs> at, at a game that was on the road. So he got with the team, flew with the team to Portland, played there, and came back. And that was his debut without training, without anything. So it's, it's part of well, this. The, the other thing about these Canadian teams, John, is that when they went home to see their families, they, weren't, they, they could not train. The Canadian uh, mandates would not permit you know, group training. So they weren't training when they were home either. So, you know, sometimes you think uh, Tristan Damores, uh, right for MLSsoccer.com, uh, was a colleague of mine at Pro Soccer USA covering the impact. And he felt strong. I talked to him the morning of the game and he felt strongly that it was going to have a positive impact on Montreal, that they'd be psychologically recharged. You know, they've seen their families, good feel. But, um, you know, and, and you know, you, you heard what Henri said after the game. He said uh, the loss was my fault. It's my fault. And he kind of, he wasn't backpedaling that he shouldn't have let them go home, but he said by virtue of that decision, it put us at a disadvantage. So he said, it's my fault. That's I'm th just telling you, that's his quote. Right. But at the end of the day with Montreal, Glenn, I mean, it, they are what they are. You know, they're doing the most of what they can do with the roster that they have and the process that they have. And, and you see it on games. I mean, they have chunk of games in which they control the tempo, the situation, the game, the action. They had chances. They don't score. And then chunks of the game where they just blew it and lost the games or they lost points at the last minutes of the games. And that's what they are. I mean, they're not a really strong, you know, uh, core team right now. They use on construction and that's what they are. And, you know, they've got a lot of really fun players, right? And uh, they've got a lot of good talent, but at the same time, it's not a complete team. Right. There's a lot of uh, valleys and there's means. a lot and there's a lot there's a lot of peaks w with the team. But look, when um, 
when they came out of the locker room for the second half, the first 15 minutes of that second half, that was all Montreal. And the reason New York City didn't go to the locker room with with an advantage was uh, because uh, their goalie, Pantemi, uh, played really, really well. He had some really nice saves. I mean, New York City had some very good shots, and he had some great saves. And New York City was unlucky not to go into halftime up a goal or two. And then New York City was lucky uh, that they weren't allowing a goal or two in the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, because that almost seemed like if, to, if I can use a hockey term and, and John doesn't kill me, I mean, it looked like a Montreal power play. Uh, New York City was really on their heels. And then, you know, things balanced out. And then once they got their goal, uh, the, the whole game changed after that. I think uh, when you got Maxi Morales, you can't expect anything. Well, the person yeah. who deserves, to me, deserves the most credit on that opening goal is Alex Ring. And I, I was trying to look yeah. for, you know, I, I even watched the 15-minute, uh, uh, you know, extended version and, and still didn't see this. They started it too late. But uh, he came back. He came from behind the play and, and made a tackle and then ignited the attack the other way, the counter. And then Maxi Morales, <laughs> I mean, right in the middle of things. And, uh, you know, good things are going to happen. And uh, but also Rudy Camacho, Rudy Camacho is terrible. Has he ever <laughs> been a good player? I mean, I know he's got this extended career. I have never. He was terrible. He was. <laughs> he was. But bad. He's, I but mean, he's, how does he leave that ball? He kills the ball right there in front of his own goal. I know he's trying to stop it and do because there's, there's somebody running on the left side. I forget who it was, who was right next to him. But you can't uh, just like kill the ball there and just leave it dead and. Uh, well, obviously, he, Medina is able to react, and Medina scores with his right foot. I mean, the guy's played a couple hundred, a couple three hundred club games in his career on the pro level. <laughs> How does he not know to just put that out for a corner if you don't know what's going on? You know, he had no visual acuity there. I, I, I was, uh, it, w- it was shocking. You know, when you look back at it, and I didn't really see it clearly at first. I just saw the ball laying there for Medina. <laughs> who scores with his right foot, which is, you know, that's another additional element to this. Uh, Medina doesn't like using his right foot, as we've no. seen. He basically balances him. That's about. That's normally about it. Well, he bent that one in, but it was from seven yeah. yards out. So, I, you know, you got to hope he could, you know, finish that one. Yeah, uh, he did. You know, he did. And, I'm happy for him. So, you know, that, that was good. And that that changed the game. Yeah, it sure did. And, you know, the, the next another reason, I don't know, the reason for Dyla to feel you know, like a magician, he's number nine in score. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And he, he did tell me before the game, he considered Gary Mackay, Steven, and then just Medina wide. And then he always, he also thought about a diamond, which remember what I uh, was hoping for. They yeah. thought about it, but have the, spaces. Yeah. They thought about it, but uh, it, it didn't. Uh, it he didn't also mean. thought, he also thought about based on you, what you were telling me of using to Shradi as a nine, which is what I had suggested, but then, Obviously, to Drew Shradi couldn't play. He didn't, and you know we certainly want to wish wish uh, Izzy all the best. Uh, Absolutely, I guess his Instagram indicated that he he feels fine, so hopefully that's the case. And by the way, uh, same situation that Atlanta United is now on. Atlanta United yeah. is not going to train on Tuesday because Tuesday. they have a positive case. But their game today. against Orlando on Wednesday is still on as of this recording. We're doing this on Monday Supposedly night. Supposedly, so. that's why the reason. I mean, the the reason that not having anybody on the facilities tomorrow is in favor of keeping everybody away so they can play the game. Well, they'll all be tested on 
Monday or were tested on Monday, and then Tuesday they'll get tested again before the two, game. Correct. Two negatives, and they can show up at the stadium. I guess. Yep. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because that's what happened with New York City, and 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 why that uh, why the match against Montreal went. And actually, it. yeah, it's the same way. Uh, you know, and the other way around. You need two consecutive tests to sh- to be positive in order to declare positive. Right, yeah. which is what happened with Izzy. They tested him once, it got positive, tested him again, and confirmed it. So, yep. So, so now you got you got Toronto Wednesday for New York City. Uh, they're going up to East Hartford. Uh, Chris Campbell from the outfield. I forget how he put it, but uh, he said this: uh, New York City is, is they're going to a stadium that's been their home and a road match in the same building, which happened has happened at Red Bull Arena. Right. Uh, and now will happen at the uh, Rentschler Field in East Harvard. So just also, it's the sixth different stadium that these two teams will have met in. But that's phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that is crazy. Well, let's name them. So, uh, yeah, exactly. So, all right. All right Rentschler Field uh, well, it has to be City Field. Rentschler Field, City Field, Yankee Stadium. BMO. Um, BMO. BMO. Uh, Red Bull Arena. Red Bull Red Arena, Arena and the bubble. That's not a stadium. In Orlando. But the okay. what? Orlando. Orlando. In Orlando, uh, that doesn't, MLS that's is not back. a stadium. That's not three a to one win. Yeah, but I don't. Well, all right. You, you say venue. Just exactly. say venue. Yeah. All right, fine. Whatever. Fields. Was that okay? So, so TFC had, you know, they had their regular group out there. Now they didn't have a striker per se, you know, mm-hmm. no Akinola and uh, no Altador. Um, but. Uh, they just, I, I, I don't know if you guys watched any of that. I, I, uh, I watched about 60 minutes of it. And uh, did you see the stats? No, I, I mean, I'm looking at it now. Well, Toronto was outshot 27 to 27 three? to three. Yeah. And 12-1 <laughs> on target. And, oh, my God. And that's the way the game looked. And 8-0 on chances created. 11-3 on corners. 1-1 one one, one on offsides, though. No, I mean, the thing is that <laughs> Philadelphia was all over the place. The In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. They were all over the place. Mm. They, they step up from the minute one. They were actually in control. Uh, even I, I know, and Sergio Santos was, you know, the, the, the man of the match and, and the player of the, of the week. Yeah. But for me, I mean, Montero and Martinez did such a good job. They actually ended up, I think, with three players. On the team of the week, but Did they? yeah, I got. Uh, I thought about this two years ago. I will actually schedule anything I have to do on on a long game of MLS uh, on a long day of MLS games on the spot that Philadelphia will play. Right now, I don't want to miss any of Philadelphia games. They're, They're fun. so fun to watch. Yeah, they are fun. And, you know, let's get our fill of Brendan Aronson before he winds up uh, leaving town. I'm rooting for his brother already. <laughs> yeah. No, but they are a fun team to watch. I mean, yeah, you, 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 you love watching them. It, it, it really is uh, nice. Now, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Toronto's lineup here. And, you know, it doesn't sound like any lineup that you wouldn't normally see. Obviously, Glenn mentioned that they didn't have Altador, they didn't have Aquinola, but look, Westberg in goal, Lorea, Gonzalez, Simon, and Auro. That's their normal defense. Endo and De Leon on the side with Bradley and Delgado in the middle, and then Gallardo and Pozuelo. I mean, that just is... 
Yeah, I mean, I, yes, there's a you could say there's a couple of people missing. Fine. But I mean, it's not like I'm telling you, it goes back to the fact they went home, came back yeah. to train and they just weren't. Look, Philadelphia was very good. But, you know, I, you're not going to under normal circumstances, you're not going to get a five nil match unless somebody just comes up with, you know, they eight shots on target, five go in, you know, that sort of thing. But um, it was um, it was a demolition. So I, I would think the Toronto is going to be quite ready for the Wednesday night match, which they'll be able to host New York city. You'll have to travel the day of it's not that long. It's about three hours up there. I think on a no, bus. No, it's not. It's not even that long. Trust me. I've done that trip a lot on a bus on a bus. The, the buses aren't that slow. It doesn't yeah, take that long. From, they could take 95. The, so, okay. So the two and a half like hour. two hours. Yeah. yeah. It should be it two hours me, okay. depending I, on the time. I, I well, guess that's I'm, I'm remembering my trip from New Jersey. That's probably what I'm. Uh, oh, that's probably how about, yeah. hey, how about Third Rail's got supporters in Jersey, baby? At Hoboken, at a bar, we've got to find out where that bar is. So you can come from Jinky Stadium. You, you, <laughs> par- you park the car on, this, on that side. Yeah, I'll park it. Yeah, and take the, coming, coming back, you take use, the path. Yeah, I'll just take the path, right? And then go to the bar to and celebrate with them. Yeah. And um, yeah, but they also have, you know, Connecticut. They've got uh, Westchester and every borough pretty much has their own little satellite. And yes, there is third rail in Espanol. I hope it's more than one guy, but you, you know, at least it's there. Um, so, uh, and uh, they're, they're pretty active too, by the and, way, and on Twitter and stuff. So real quick before we finish, cause uh, our next podcast, the uh, Hudson river Derby will be uh, over and complete. Uh, so that's, Ooh. that's coming up on, uh, on Sunday the weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, the Red Bulls, they're, they're an interesting team, man. They've had some, uh, they keep uh, scoring in stoppage time, second half stoppage time to get points. And, um, you know, there, there's something about them again, you know, where there's, uh, they've got the feel. They might not have all the players, but they've got the feel. Yeah, they're always a tough out. I mean, the way that they play, and it doesn't matter who's coaching them, they're, they're a tough out. And, you know, sometimes... You know, things don't go their way, but, uh, you know, they're going to hustle and they're going to and they're going to play hard and they're going to be a pain, especially in a short in a in a small field. And it's going to be interesting to see Ronnie Dyla come up with a formation and a strategy the, to be able to to beat their press, because we've seen how Patrick Vieira decided to do it and he was going to play out of the back. Their you know, no matter what. And then you saw uh, Dome decide, screw that. I'm just going to go above them, which he did in that one nothing game. And uh, now it's going to be Ronnie Dyla's uh, time to to deal with them on the small field, which I think makes a difference. They're pressing different now. So you can't compare. It's not the same pressure. Okay. They're just picking and choosing now instead of pressuring like they did with Jesse Mars every minute of the 90 minutes. And now for that game, you probably will have Christian Cáceres back under 11. He was on the bench this time, but I think it has to be with the quarantine that he had coming mm-hmm. you know, from the international duty. And then you're going to have Kaku, who wasn't out of the quarantine ready to play this game, so he's probably going to play that game against New York City FC. And that changed a little bit of the, the way they play. Not the way they play, but the way they manage uh, transitions and tempos. So that's, that's, you know, at least two changes that I can see clear. And then, you know, we get a chance to see this 17-year-old Caden Clark who uh, has really lit it up. 
since uh, he made his debut uh, earlier this month. Yep. Two All balls, right, well. back-to-back games. And they've got uh, New England on Wednesday, so that, and that's a huge match because if they win, they, they're equal in points for New England. I mean, you know, at this point, finishing in the top six and try to uh, escape the, uh, the preliminary round game. So uh, Playing the, play the turf, Glenn, on midweek, right before three days before the other game, I think it's important. Yeah, remember that uh, Ronnie sat Anton Tinner home at the start of the one of those Gillette games because of the turf and how it aggravated his Achilles or something. So, uh, yeah. But then I mean, he needed rest. And that's not the first time a coach has rested a player at Gillette Stadium. No, well, remember that no. Thierry Henry never, never went to play on turf, except I think it was in the playoffs is the only time that he agreed that, uh, to play on turf. Otherwise, he wouldn't step foot on it. Yep. His first um, season in MLS as Latin didn't go to any turf. Yeah. You know, Henri, he just preparing, preparing for that impact match just for the broadcast, you know, I, I, remember, I, I remember so well how great Henri is. But then when you just, you know, I haven't looked at the stats in a long time. All-time leading scorer for Arsenal, all-time leading scorer for France, but 284 goals in 580 club matches. I mean, come on, man. And uh, scored 30 goals in one season in the EPL. It was a year after the Invincibles, but my goodness. And you're doing that against top competition. You're not doing that, you know, against uh, a bunch of really bad teams. And he played for Pep in Barcelona, and I guess uh, you see how they're trying to build out of the back. I mean, their keeper got into some some very close calls (laughs) in the first uh, 20 minutes of the match. Yeah, he's going to learn. To twist that idea, you know, depending on the on the personnel yeah. that he has. Yeah, as Patrick did. Great video on YouTube about the Barcelona way that Henri is part of, and I think it's like a BBC thing. Yes. And then he tells a story towards the end of the video how he was playing on the left side for Pep, and that the ball wasn't coming to him, and Pep was very strict about you stay on the left, you stay on your side, no matter what three quarters of the field, then you have permission to drift away. And most of the game was being played on the right side. And he's starting to get anxious and he wants to be involved. So he starts drifting in. And then in one of those, he winds up scoring a goal and he's really, really happy. So they go to halftime and Pep says, you're out. And he says, why? I scored. And he said, because I told you to stay on the left side and you didn't listen to my instructions. And so you're out. So you're out. And that was that. And he tells that story, and that's the type of thing that teams need sometimes to wake them up about tactical discipline. And that's what made those Barcelona teams under Pep as good as they were. That's I mean, positional it wasn't only the game. Play. That's the positional yeah. game. Yeah. You stay on your position. You trust and believe in your teammates. Exactly. Otherwise, you're doing a disfavor I think the way he said it too, it's like the first two thirds coming back up from your goalkeeper, you have to be you have to be extremely disciplined in your positioning, and then when you enter the final third, go have some fun. Yep, you know, yeah. and uh, and players will buy into that because, well, first of all, there's success, but the you you do have the coach telling you to express in the part of the field where you really want to, and. Yeah. Uh, and and that's where you see fullbacks inverted and all this other stuff going on, you know, exactly. once they get in. But yep. and so, by the way, I just want you to know that I applied that with my uh, son's <laughs> team as the uh, as yeah. a coach, and uh, this week uh, we won four goals to one. Okay, 
That's why uh, not having credentials do, Glenn. You know, but look, I have, have not. You're, you're 298 not, victories from, away from my, uh, my, my uh, overall record. record. Yeah. Your record? Oh, you had 300? I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, we used to kid somebody once because the United Soccer Coaches, the association, it would give away these, uh, you know, if you got one, 100 wins, 200 wins, 300 wins, you know, they'd give you these little plaques or whatever. And there was this one guy um, it, who I can't remember who it was, but we, we made the joke that he must have counted the games in his backyard <laughs> <laughs> because there's no way he had like, like Pelé goals. 500 wins. So I'm counting some of the backyard, you know, in all my wins. too. Well, that's good. So so anyway, I did write you earlier. I am looking forward to you sending me some uh, tactical uh, some tactical suggestions uh, okay. and, um, you know, specific to one position, especially I, already answered. I need for my son. Yes, you yeah. did. And you I saw the text. I haven't had a, I haven't except had a that the videos in Spanish and. My son isn't going to listen to something in Spanish. He barely listens to me in English. Get the volume down. May he look at the images and the graphics. All right. He will I'll understand do. the moves. Here's what you do. You, you make sure you have a subscription to Sirius XMFC. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock and 7 o'clock, have a little, there's a little coaching academy. All he's got to do is listen to the coaching academy each week, and everything's fine. I think that's how Zlatan became such a good, uh, such a good goal scorer in MLS that he was able to take that to Italy, I believe. <laughs> yeah, we translate it. Hey, I've got, uh, I've got an interesting interview coming up as we wrap this up. Uh, on Friday, I'm talking to Robert Sabiga and Alan Chapman Ooh, together. Cool. Mm. Yeah. So, Alan's uh, great. I mean, we met him at the uh, at the convention. Um, when was it yeah. the last time that there was a convention? A year, I guess it was earlier this year. Still before COVID, now everything's just blurry. And uh, no, he's a really, really good guy. I I, I liked him a lot. He helped us a lot uh, in the uh, pro setup that they had at the coaches' convention. That's right. We were the VAR for, yes. for a little bit, and yeah. So I'll um, you know if. Uh, Maybe I'll play a couple of those things for, for us, but that'll be for the Coaching Academy. And and today I spoke with uh, Dan Locke, and that was pretty interesting. He's the Academy Manager at Charlotte FC, the 30th MLS team. And so they've got this rivalry with Atlanta United that's going to be developed. Right now they're calling it the I-85. I sure hope they come up with something better than that. But the the rivalry starts with the academy. this week in the bank of America stadium with the U 17s. So right. Dan Locke coaches the U 17. So the U 17 Charlotte Atlanta are playing uh, there and they're going to allow 3,500 people in to watch it. So, well, it happened with LAFC and LA galaxy too, before, oh, yeah. before LAFC play in MLS. Oh, they did. Oh, okay. That academies play. And actually the 3252 took people in all the atmosphere. Oh, that you fantastic. See. In, in Bank of California, they have for the kids, yeah. And That's now great. they have one of their own kids who debuted for the first team and scored for the first team. Duenas. That, yep. Is it Duenas, Eric, right? Eric Duenas. Well, that's what he uh, that's what he hopes. He go, you know, that's what he told me. He goes, hopefully some of the boys that you see in this game, it's going to be streamed live. So I, I'm, I'm going to definitely watch. But he said, hopefully you'll see a couple of these guys, uh, you know, as homegrown in that uh, first game in 2022. And his goal is two homegrowns every year, starting in 2023, signing with the first team. That would that's be fantastic. That's pretty lofty and ambitious, but, you know. It's doable as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, John, what do you got? Nothing. People can follow me on Rojas 75 and you can find everything there. Roberto. There you go. 
So uh, English broadcast for for New York City FC. I mean, Spanish broadcast for New York City FC for Sunday <laughs> and for this Wednesday. Making glance. Thank you. Thank you, Roberto. Yeah, please do. NYCFC.com slash radio. Ariel Judas and I uh, for this game is at 7.15 pregame, 7.30 game. What time is Sunday? Is 7 o'clock game? 7 o'clock, yep. Okay, so 6.45 pregame. And I've got a double header that Sunday, by the way. So this is my Sunday, okay? You're going to enjoy this. I've got to go out to your neck of the woods, Florham Park, for the Jets practice facility, which is where English and Spanish Jet Radio do the away games uh, for the New York Jets. So I'll be doing uh, Jet Radio with Clemson Smith Muniz at one um, o'clock from one to about four, four fifteen. Who are they you play? Hear, they uh, who do they play? Oh, they play Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and eight. So they're going to be oh, and eight. They play Kansas City. So, um, so yeah, so you'll be able to listen to that game at one o'clock and then get into my car and drive to Yankee Stadium. And then Ariel and I will be calling the game uh, for New York City FC on nycfc.com slash radio. The Jet one, by the way, if you have the Jets app, at one o'clock, the magically a little link appears and you just hit radio and then you can listen to English or Spanish radio on uh, for the Jets app. So and I'll do, be obviously. Do, on we the have that, side. Uh, do we have that miracle uh, on our app on the NYCFC app? <laughs> no, we do not. All right. That's got to get added. <laughs> hey, hey, so anyway, they can find us, you know, when, when they find us on TuneIn. Right. When they find us on TuneIn, they can favorite that station, which a lot of people in English have done, not enough on Spanish. So they can just favorite that stadium and then just go that's that uh, rather that station and then yeah. just go automatically there as opposed to having to go through the website. Uh, also, as far as this podcast is concerned, I can't say this enough. Everybody who's listening and hopefully we got some new listeners. Uh, thanks to Andy today. Um, please go to Apple Podcasts, find our page rate our podcast be honest whatever you do you like it you don't like it that's fine we'll take it we're big boys and uh do a review uh if you want to continue listening please make it a favorite subscribe to it so you can get this uh automatically every week so please do that i implore you um you know as we've come back again uh, everything that we had done in the past has disappeared so it's all new links and everything so if you somehow are listening to this and thinking that your old link is going to work, it's not. You've got to get a new one. All right. Hey, for I second that emotion. Oh, totally. For what is worth, it. especially for uh, Roberto Sunday, remember that Sunday is daylight saving times and. Oh. Great. So don't, don't it's get gonna up. be it's okay it'll be 4 30 it'll be dark by the time i'm starting driving home from florham park hopefully there's not a ton of traffic at uh at the george washington bridge will you jersey people just like let me go across the damn bridge Queen. and not take up my time go across the bridge you know i've been a jet fan since <clears throat> 1966 i apologize and i uh sorry you know this guy you know the head coach i don't normally talk about coaches because you know we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but to me, all you got to do is see the, the second half of this game that they just played. And now yep. one coach made an adjustment. The other did not. And blah, blah, blah. But there you go. Um, that's my, I think they're basically keeping him on. They're just basically keeping him on to assure themselves of going as bad as they can record wise and having a shot at Trevor Lawrence. Oh, gosh. All right. <clears throat> I hate when that happens, too. But oh, well. 
What are you going to do? All right, I'm uh, we're it's uh, English, Spanish, we're all on at the same time, 7:15. I'll have Ronnie Dyla with the pregame briefing. Always interesting to hear from the New York City coach. And you can follow me at Glenn Crooks. So, uh, special thanks to Andy Drellick, who was on uh, earlier in this podcast, the president of the Third Rail, the uh, supporters group for New York City FC, and Tom Kolker, absent today, celebrating his parents' 45th wedding anniversary. Yay! Very nice. Very nice. So, for uh, John Rojas, Roberto Bromwitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Rate and subscribe, right, Roberto? Absolutely. All right. See you now.